These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. to the NFL Mocks Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin. As always, we're coming to you live from the always beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. And you know what it is. We've got a great show for you guys playing tonight. We will be joined by a Twitter legend, I'll call him. I, I mean, legends are uh, hard to come by, if you will. But Joey Bag of Donuts is definitely one of those. You guys should definitely go run and follow him. If you aren't already, uh, we'll be jo- joined by Joey to cover the AFC North uh, take a look at their roster moves as we've been doing through this divisional draft grade segment uh, prior to the draft. Then we'll hit on their draft selections and slap some grades on those. But before we get into the interview with Joey, again, covering the AFC North uh, Steelers fan, so you know he's going to be coming in hot with the takes on A.B. and Lev Bell, those offseason moves there. Uh, but nonetheless, before we get into that, like, rate, subscribe, and review however and wherever you found this podcast we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, and if you want to leave a question, a comment, or a concern uh, there in that review, feel free to do so, man. We will get to your questions, um, you know, whenever we feel fit. So we appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you next time here on the NFL Mox Podcast. And, again, thank you to Joey for joining us on today's episode. All right, folks, we keep the draft divisional grades rolling here on the NFL Mox Podcast with a very special guest host of the Donut Bag and Podcast of Steel, so he does a little double duty there on the podcasting world, Mr. Joey Bags himself, or as Twitter knows him, at Joey Bag of Donuts. That's O-V uh, instead of the O-F. Joey, thank you for joining us here on the NFL Mocks Podcast, my man. Thanks for having me on. No doubt. All right, so Joe, you've been a proud member of the Steelers Nation uh, pretty much for your whole life, uh, but you stand for all things Pittsburgh. So kind of let the people know, how did you get into your fandom there uh, in Pittsburgh, and uh, where did it all begin? Basically began since since birth. Uh, I I was born in the Pittsburgh area. I've lived here all my life, kind of just just grew up a – a Pittsburgh sports fan, especially a Steelers fan. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just by birth. 
Seems like uh, I don't know much about Pittsburgh, but I know a lot about the Steelers. Obviously, you've had pretty much smooth sailing, it uh, sounds like, for most of your fandom there. A lot of winning and a lot of winning of the AFC North. Uh, unfortunately, that's not how it shook out last year. And uh, this is kind of how we do things here on the NFL Mocks podcast with these divisional breakdowns. I would like to give the listener just kind of an overview, a recap, a brief recap of what happened last season. And as we mentioned, the Baltimore Ravens uh, ended up winning the division there for the first time in quite a while uh, at 10-6. and six. Pittsburgh coming in at 9-6-1. and one. Cleveland having their best season since 2007 at 7-8-1 and one right there. And then Cincinnati bringing up the rear at 6-10. and 10. So, uh, you know, what is your kind of overall view of what happened, how it shook out last year there uh, in the AFC North, Joey? Uh, for those of us maybe down here in the South or maybe that don't follow the AFC North as uh, closely as you do, what were your kind of general takes uh, from last year's season? Well, last year was a huge disappointment for the Steelers. They were expected to win the division. Uh, they went 13-3 and last uh, um, in 2017, so they expected to at least to, to do almost as well uh, with almost the same team. But then it, it didn't start well because they thought they were going to have Le'Veon Bell, and they didn't, and that was a huge distraction. Mm-hmm. And really, they just the, the 13 and three in 2017 was a bit of a mirage. Mm-hmm. Um, they won many close games. Um, and, and they pulled a lot of games out in the last minute. And, uh, they, and that just didn't happen. All those close games that went their way in 2017 mm-hmm. went, went the other way in 2018. That's partially because, you know, in 2017, they drive down the field at the last second, kick a field goal, and they win. While in 2018, they drive down the field at the last second, kick a field goal, the field goal misses, they lose. That was, that was a lot of the difference right there. Absolutely. So, I mean, <clears throat> go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. No, what I was going to say is, I mean, you had the lead pretty much there in the NFC North. It seemed like Pittsburgh was going to continue to do what they typically do there in, again, the AFC North. But you lose four out of the last six. Uh, the real heartbreaker has got to be that loss, at least in my mind. Uh, and you can feel free to go differently. Uh, but to me, man, the backbreaker of your season is that loss to Denver. And then I believe you follow it up with a loss there uh, in Oakland, that the historic uh, game where Big Ben decides to come back. Uh, and allow Josh Dobbs to have, what, three or four series there in the middle of the third quarter uh, in a game that pretty much determined their season. Am I, am I correct, Joe? You're absolutely correct. Now, the Denver game hurts because the Steelers dominated most of that game, yeah. and they basically beat themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were driving down the field. They just couldn't score points. They would get a fumble or an interception or some stupid thing like that. So they kind of gave away the game. But you just forgive them. It's in Denver, you know, whatever. But the Oakland game is completely unforgivable, and that's it's 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 a um, it's a it's a property of the Steeler teams under Mike Tomlin. Is mm-hmm. they will they will play like crazy and and beat the good teams like New England, mm-hmm. and then when they play a lousy team like Oakland, they just they just crap out and they lose, and it's just it's it, it's arrogance really. It's arrogance, and, and, and they let their emotions get away, and, and they just did not take Oakland. Um, they just didn't take Oakland seriously, and, and it bit them. And that's, I think that's exactly what happened, and it, it was just total arrogance. Like the thing with Ben. Ben was hurt. He could have come back, but for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it was him or Tomlin or whatever, they just decided, nah, it's okay. We'll let Josh Dobbs do this. And, then, and, and, Dobbs, and Dobbs just, just was terrible. 
and and they ended up losing. And that was one of those games where they they still could have at least tied the game, uh, but um, they drive down the field, go to keep the field goal, field goal misses, so they yeah. lose. I mean, one thing uh, you can definitely say about Mike Tomlin is that he is definitely a player's coach, which you kind of have to be there with uh, the ownership that's in place there in Pittsburgh because they do make all pretty much the roster decisions. Mike Tomlin doesn't have any of that, so he might as well be a, a, a player's coach. But the downfall of having a player's coach, we've always said this here on the NFL Mocks podcast, is the fact that, you know, sometimes you're going to win games you shouldn't. Sometimes you're definitely going to lose games that you shouldn't. Uh, and, and sometimes it's going to seem like you show up and you're unprepared because that's what your players have done that week. I mean, we've seen it with, like you say, with Mike Tomlin there. There always seems to be an Oakland loss week 12, somewhere sprinkled in the season. There always seems to be, you know, a home game loss to a team that definitely shouldn't have beaten them um, or uh, a lead that they've squandered uh, late there in the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, not necessarily a tough go at it uh, in the Mike Tomlin days, but, you know, definitely a frustrating go of things, I would imagine, as a Steelers fan. Because, like you said, um, sometimes you just don't live up to the potential that is there. So um, let's kind of get into the where we are now at this point. Let's update some of these rosters for the listeners um, and then get into these draft selections. Uh, starting with the division champs, we'll talk about the Baltimore Ravens first. Look, you lose C.J. Mosley this year. Uh, you, you lose Zedaria Smith, Eric Weddle, Terrell Suggs, John Brown, and Joe Flacco all from this defense. Uh, well, John Brown and Joe Flacco obviously on the offense, but the major key names coming off that defense, you sign Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram, uh, and you re-sign RG3 there to be your backup. So that's about it really uh, in terms of guys added and guys kept. You know, I love the Earl Thomas signing. I think Mark Ingram's a really good fit, but damn, man, you lose all those dudes, especially on those defense uh, in this offseason. They definitely got worse through free agency in my mind. Would you agree there, Joe? Oh, they got hit harder and free agency. Um, I think losing uh, C.J. Mosley hit them hard, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure they were expecting to lose him, so that was a huge hit. Um, but also, yeah, uh, they, they basically, before the draft, had like zero wide receivers. They were, yeah. Their wide receiver depth was absolutely a joke, so they absolutely needed to get a wide receiver in the draft. For sure, and they, they do that very, very first thing off the board right there at 25. Trade down and uh, Get Mar or you know Marquise Brown, also known as Hollywood, there out of Oklahoma, and then let's kind of go through their picks from there. You know they sacrifice, um, there's or they don't have a second round pick. Excuse me, they uh, take Jalen Fer- Ferguson, uh, edge rusher out of Louisiana Tech, there in round three. Followed up with Miles Boykin, wide receiver out of Notre Dame, Justice Hill. Uh, running back out of Oklahoma State, a real burner. Uh, is probably going to pair up really well with Mark Ingram. Everything Mark Ingram isn't, uh, Justice Hill is, and vice versa. Ben Powers, a guard out of Oklahoma, big-bodied kid. Uh, Iman Marshall, cornerback out of UC- USC, probably going to have a position change to safety, in my opinion. Dalen Mack, my favorite of their picks there in the fifth round. And then they follow it up with Trace McSorley. Um, you know, I'm not so high on the Trace McSorley pick, but I guess if you were to p- – throw him into a system that kind of matches him, it would probably be Lamar Jackson's system. And also, I think Taysom Hill, having limited success down there in New Orleans, has gotten the NFL in this craze of, uh, you know, sturdy quarterbacks that might be able to run the football. What are your kind of overall thoughts of this draft, uh, Joe, from Baltimore, before we get a grade from you on these guys? I think they did well. Um, Marquise Brown was um, highly considered. Um Good, fast guy. I, I understand he's like uh, Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. That's cool. 
Um, they, they they desperately needed a linebacker. Um, I've also heard really good things out of Miles My, Boykin. So yeah. um, really, and oh, and, and the Justin Justin Hill pick is, is awesome. So um, real solid. Um, but that's that's kind of what you expect from the Ravens. They're just they're, and even though I mean this is this is um, not uh, this is their first uh, draft for Eric DaCosta. Um, so you know, it looks like he's continuing the tradition of just you know solid solid moves for uh, the Ravens. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't really see a pick here where, you know, it was a crazy reach or out of this world was like, it doesn't really make sense. You don't, you didn't hear any of these names come across the board and, and basically ask what. Like, that didn't happen at all. Um, I agree yeah. with you. I like the Miles Boykin pick just in the sense that, you know, he's a big-bodied wide receiver that's got all the upside in the world. Now, whether or not he puts it all together, we just don't know yet. But at pick 93 there, the 30th pick in the third round, I think you definitely have the leeway and the freedom to do so, especially when you've got a solid pick there in Hollywood Brown. And, look, you can say what you want about the medical concerns, but, you know, assuming the foot holds up, Hollywood Brown had some of the best tape I've ever seen, um, especially at the wide, rece- wide receiver position um, in college. Uh, you know, definitely can score uh, from any point in the field. So I like that pick as well. And like we hit on, I love the Dalen Mack pick there in round five. This is a guy who had a third to fourth, or, you know, a late third to early fourth round grade uh, in my uh, evaluation. And talk about a scheme fit, man. Uh, they're all about big bodied thick-hipped guys there, especially in the interior defensive line, and Dalen Mack fits that to a T. Um, so let's get a grade on it right quick, Joe. What do you think of uh, what they did overall in this draft here in Baltimore? I give them a B plus. You know what? It seems like every one of my guests wants to steal my very first pick or very, my very first grade. B plus is exactly what <laughs> I have on the paper, um, and we are in agreement there. And, again, I think we hit on all of it. We both like the Justice Hill pick for the exact same reasons, I believe. Uh, he's everything Mark Ingram isn't. We love that. Um, and, again, we think Hollywood Brown, if there's one thing Lamar Jackson could do, it's throw the ball deep and put some air underneath it. Now, the short throws, the, the short area, um, you know, accuracy still there with room left to improve. But B-plus is all across the board from Joey Bags and myself. Uh, so we'll move on, and let's get Joe, uh, you know, get a, little, get a little fired up here. We're talking Steelers here finishing second in, uh, in the AFC North last season. So the off-season off talks, excuse me, man, I'm all over the place. Off-season talks obviously begin no further than with Lev Bell and Antonio Brown. Joe, you are our first Steelers diehard fan here on the show, so give me your thoughts on both these situations. Let's start with the one that Steelers Nation was most passionate about, and I believe that's the A-B debacle. So thoughts on the A-B issue there first. Absolutely unbelievable! I can't believe that that that, that all happened. Um, I, I I'm I'm in shock, but you know that's for for whatever reason that's what Antonio Brown wanted. He wanted out. He was fed up. Um, I have a feeling that it might have had to do something with money that he wanted a new contract, and that's what that's how he he knew, he knew it, the Steelers weren't going to mm-hmm. rip up the contract, so. He figured he had to force himself to be traded to get a new contract. So, you know, mission accomplished. Um, it's just such a shame because basically, this you know, the Steelers got pennies on the dollar. They, you know, they, they, get a, they, they, they can't even get a, a first or a second round draft pick for him. Um, pretty pathetic. But, that's, but at the same time, the Steelers just wanted rid of the headache. Mm-hmm. So they were. Now it's Oakland's problem. So, you know, now we move on. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of a sign for player empowerment, but of all the wrong ways to do it, right? I mean, we saw him die, even as far as dyeing his mustache blonde, and then the moment he's traded, it's dyed back, you know, the crazy hairstyles out of his hair, the the moment he gets to Oakland, him and uh, David Carr, are, uh, or excuse me, Derek Carr, are, are putting together workout videos and whatnot, and he's all of a sudden the face of the franchise there in Oakland, uh, just two completely different individuals from what we saw this summer or, you know, this springtime from Antonio Brown to where we are right now uh, while he's in an Oakland Raiders uniform. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it was a money issue. Um, you know, they don't really – they weren't going to rip up that contract. They were going to make him play it out there in Pittsburgh and then reevaluate right. things when he was around, you know, 32 – 33 years old, and at that point, he was definitely no longer going to be the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. So, you know, he goes out and gets his money. That's all fine and dandy. Uh, but, you know, in my opinion, he's definitely in a worse situation there in Oakland and a much uh, less stable situation. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. You go from a Hall of Fame quarterback to a quarterback who, you know, Oakland Raider fans don't even know if he's going to be sticking around there when they get to Las Vegas. Uh, you know, rumors are, you know, Gruden's in, maybe out, on uh, Derek Carr, and it doesn't really matter what he says because even when he was there in Tampa, he spoke extremely highly of Chris Sims. I don't know if you remember this, Joey. And then next thing you know, um, he's out the door and on his way to Tennessee. So we don't really know what's going to happen there with the quarterback situation, so he definitely steps out of a great one there in Pittsburgh despite, you know, whatever issues he was having or whatever made-up issues he was having there with Ben in that huddle, um, and now he's in Oakland. So we got your thoughts there on A.B., the other Big B or, tri- you know, third member of the Triple Bs there in Pittsburgh, Lev Bell. Set out the full season uh, and is now a New York Jet. Kind of take us back to that first moment you heard, you know, he's been threatening holdouts and has been holding out uh, for quite some time there. This is the first time he's held out and not received also some type of other suspension from the NFL. So this was an actual all-him decision. Uh, date us back, or take us back all the way to that first moment you heard he was threatening to sit out all season and whether or not you believed it, Joe. Uh, that, that's funny. So I started my podcast last uh, July, and anytime we talked about Le'Veon Bell, it was, oh, he's going to do the same thing as last year because it was the same situation. The Steelers mm-hmm. put the, the franchise tag on him for a second year, and you know he'll skip the training camp, and then he'll come in week one, and he'll play the season, and then he'll leave. Well, that first week of, the, of, of uh, week one, the, the first few days of week one, he wasn't there. People were like, wait, what's going on? And apparently he even told his teammates, hey, don't worry, I'll be there Wednesday. I'm just waiting as long as possible, blah, blah, blah. And then he doesn't show up Wednesday, and all hell breaks loose. And it, it was I, I was so much in shock, and this is the cool thing about having your own podcast. You can just throw out an episode whenever you want. Mm-hmm. I just went on a rant for 30 minutes about the situation. And at the time, I said how ridiculous he is, and, and I, I used some um, questionable language. But in the end, looking back at it now, he just wanted to get paid, and he was a victim of the stupid um, collective bargaining agreement mm-hmm. um, with its franchise tag crap. I mean, he was a, really a victim of that, where – I'm not sure how old he is now, but he had to wait until like six or seven years into his career yeah. uh, before he could, um, you know, he was allowed to, to, to go somewhere else. And it was just a ridiculous situation. Um, and he just, you know, he, he decided for financial reasons, he, that he 
feet he thought sitting out the season would um, you know maximize his earnings. I mean, kind of a funny way you fourteen you forfeit fourteen million dollars to, yeah. to do that, but that's you know that's that's what it is. So I just I, I just thought it was he and, and even even though he ended up with less money because apparently the Steelers offered him like a, a five year seventy million dollar contract, he ends up getting you know like fifty some million from the Jets. Even yeah. even though he ended up with less. Still, I think he's happy because he got the he finally got the freedom to go where he actually wanted. Like if he if he signed up that, that um, contract with the Steelers, he was always going to wonder, hey, what could have happened if I became a, a true free agent and I could have signed somewhere else? What would happen if I if I went to another team? So so he got that peace of mind. He got his you know he got his new home. Um, good for him. I I I, I don't want to say things left on a on a good note with the Steelers, but not as bad as Antonio Brown. No, I totally agree. And when the, when the news first broke, you know, I had a previous podcast. This called Let Me Say Something as well, and I'm totally with you there. Uh, the greatest thing about having a podcast is when you have a dying opinion that's just itching and burning to get out of you, uh, you just turn the mic on and let it loose. But my opinion uh, on the whole Lev Bell thing was when it originally was reported, like you said, we, we, we knew it was kind of going to hold out maybe one or two weeks and then he holds out week one, and then after week two, and then after week three, and the whole rumor is, you know, he's going to come back week 10 when he's required to be there to get, you right. know, at least counted as a full season and all that stuff. And at that point, I was like, you know, get about eight and a half mil from weeks 10 to week 16, I think is the way it broke out somehow. You know, you don't sacrifice a lot of money there. You only play six games. You you kind of ensure or, you know, you take the liability of the, the fact that you might get hurt in those first 10 games. You only put it on those last six, and then you go get your money in free agency. When that was the plan, when that was the rumor that we had heard, I was all for it, man, because we've never seen a guy do it. I was extremely happy as a guy who's pro-player empowerment to kind of see it happen, and then once it all shook out, and then once he gets to week 10 and it's like, nah, I ain't even coming. I ain't, I ain't coming, period. I'm just going to take the whole year off. I'm going to go get fat and happy on the jet skis in Miami. I'm going to spend my times at the clubs and, and doing rap albums and stuff like that. At that point, I was kind of out on the left belt thing, um, and, and that was just kind of my take on it. But my question to you, Joe, is who's most to blame for this Super Bowl-less run uh, we have here in Pittsburgh when you've got three of, you know, the best players at their position in all of football? You know, you definitely had, in my opinion, the best running back for a three- to four-year span there. And, I mean, you can make the argument for A.B. there uh, at top two, at bottom, at very worst, top three uh, in his time there in Pittsburgh. And then Big Ben, same. You could make an argument anywhere from five to ten, and I won't call you stupid at the quarterback position there. So who's most to blame for this Super Bowl-less run? That's a very good question. Um, you're right. You could argue that the Steelers have had the most talent of any team in the last maybe you know five years, and for them to to, to basically show nothing for it, um, you could say maybe it's the coaches. You know, like like I talked about before, mm-hmm. basically that um, you know being being emotional and arrogant and 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 looking over smaller opponents. Um, you could say it's it's the, it's the New England Patriots' fault. You know, they just happen to be in the same conference with, with the Patriots. So what do you, you know, what do they do? Um, and, and also, and, and some of those times, not all of them, but some of those times, um, there there were injured. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, I think three years ago, there uh, 
Le'Veon Bell yeah. basically single-handedly won the um, uh, playoff game against the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, then he gets hurt. And then the next week in the AFC Championship, a game against uh, New England, he doesn't play. I think he plays one snap, and then he, he can't go. So, you know, that hurt him. Um, the one year they, the Steelers played the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, and Vontez Burfecht, um basically destroyed Antonio Brown and, and gave him a huge concussion. So he wasn't available in the AFC Championship game against Denver. So, yeah. you, know, you know, there was injuries that played a part of it. Um, I think it was coaching. I think it was, uh, you know, you know, like I said, being in the same conference as New England. I think I think there's a factor of, of all those played a factor. So I don't think there was like one reason. I think it was just a bunch of things. But it is crazy that they had all that talent and could not go through. And then there was the, um, uh, a couple years ago when everything looked great and they went 13 and three and they were the number two seed and everything looked great and they played. Um, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Oh yeah, Everything get throttled. Give and up fifty. They, yeah, they 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 allowed Blake freaking Bortles to, to put up forty five points on them. It was just absolutely unbelievable. You know, the the defense was a complete failure. So it's just it's it's just a whole bunch of things. I can't. I don't think you can pin it on one thing. All right. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers have traditionally drafted at least halfway decent. And uh, let's get into that now. So your first-round pick, you trade up and get Devin Bush. We all love that. I'm sure you did in Pittsburgh. And then you don't have a round two pick because of that. Rounds three, uh, you get Deontay Johnson, a wide receiver out of, I believe, Toledo. Justin Lane, the cornerback out of Michigan State. And then rounds four and five, you get Benny Snell, who is just the definition of a Pittsburgh Steeler running back, in my opinion. And then Zach Gentry, the tight end. Sutton Smith, an edge rusher. Isaiah Bugs. Uh, Ulysses Gilbert, a linebacker, and then finish there in round seven at pick 219 with Derwin Gray, the tackle. So I'll start you first with my grade. I'll give you a B, just a straight flat B. And look, they had to do the bulk of their work in the later rounds uh, in this draft because of that move up for Devin Bush, which again, I love and I'm sure everyone in Pittsburgh did. I think they did a solid job there getting Devin Bush because it was a position of need, unfortunately, with, uh, you know, what happened to Ryan Shazier just a couple years ago. And then Justin Lane, I think, is a really long corner that will help them at a spot in need there in Pittsburgh. And, again, uh, Benny Snell will hit on this. I'm sure you will as well. I think he's the picture uh, of a Steelers running back in my mind. Uh, And then I never, ever saw an Alabama football game where Isaiah Bugs didn't make a big play or a sack or a tackle for loss or or wasn't just – at downright disruptive in the SEC. So I'll give them a B here. Uh, you know, the rest of their picks may be hit or miss. That Deontay Johnson pick, man, maybe a little high there in round three for that shorter wide receiver out of Toledo. But, again, man, Pittsburgh Steelers have had a history of drafting wide receivers and drafting them well. So I'm not going to question it too much. Your thoughts, Joe? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head with um, when you talked about Ryan Chazier. And that's one of the reasons why the, the Steelers have underperformed ever since Ryan Shazier got hurt and was mm-hmm. out. The defense has just not been the same. Um, they they did a lousy job of trying to um, replace him last year, and it, and it hurt them a lot. And I think they, they decided, hey, we can't do this again. We can't, you know, mm-hmm. just – 
just try to to try to fix this with band-aids and paper clips and stuff. We need an actual solution here. And there were only two linebackers that were good enough to be taken that could replace Ryan Shazier, Devin White or Devin Bush. And they went for it. And I'm 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 surprised. It's not what the Steelers do. The Steelers usually don't trade up to get someone. So I'm thrilled they did. I think they got the right guy. I'm I'm thrilled with the draft, and I think that almost the entire draft is going to live and die on this pick. You yeah. know, we'll see. Um, so I'm I'm thrilled they got him. Um, you know, the the price was kind of high, giving up a two and a three next year, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, so be it. Um, yeah, Deontay Johnson. This is one of those situations where there were other wide receivers out there yeah. that could have taken but you know apparently you know you never know how how a team evaluates or grades someone they say that when they took him other teams were calling him and said oh man i'm really mad you took him we were about to take him so whatever it's you know he's he's a smaller guy he's almost it's almost like and this is the pick they got from um in the antonio brown trade yeah they, they, he's almost the same size as Antonio Brown, the same speed from the same conference. It's like, like I hope you're not expecting too much from this guy because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of coincidences there. But, um, but we'll see. But you're right. It, they're so good at, at, at um, developing wide receivers. So we'll see about that. Um, Justin Lane was a great pick because it, it sounded like it was somebody that uh, could have been a, 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 you know, I've seen some early mock drafts. He was even even went in the first round. So yeah. for him to, um, to to be there, that's great. Um, unfortunately, the Steelers, as good as they are developing wide receivers, they're terrible at developing, develop, developing quarterbacks. So we'll see about that. Um, Benny Snell, I just love this guy. Oh my God, um, he is perfect for um, you know, James Conner is awesome. Mm-hmm. But he, the problem is he yeah, he can never um, just with his style he can never play an entire season. So you need a backup, and Benny Sell's a perfect backup for that. A bruiser, you're, you're right. It's, it's he's he's the perfect stealer. Um, you know, a guy that that'll that's punishing that that's hard to bring down. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that pick. Um, Round five, Zach Gentry, I think this was a miss. Um, this was a, a draft that was deep in tight ends, and yeah. I think they could have got somebody better. Um, you, just, you know, Gentry's big thing is, is size, and, they, and the Steelers needed a tight end. Their, their, their tight end depth is very bad. So Yeah, you lose I'm Jesse James to Detroit this season in, all, in free agency. Which I mean, I don't think's a huge miss because I, I truly, I do believe a lot in Vance McDonald, um, and I'm truly excited to see what he's going to do uh, this year with advanced touches. Um, but Joe, let's get a grade from you right quick on your Steelers draft. I'm going to say A minus. Mm, seems a little high. Seems a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. But I think I think it all depends on. The Devin Bush pick. I mean, there's a lot going on this. There's, there's a lot riding on it. So we'll see. Um, almost everything else is secondary. Do you want me to settle your stomach on Devin Bush a little bit? Sure. Devin Bush, to me, has a higher floor uh, than Devin White already, meaning he's going to walk into the NFL, and I think he's going to be a better year one starter. 
Um, yeah. But by about year three, year four, I think Devin White surpasses him pretty far and a well. Um, but Devin Bush going to walk in right now uh, and make a major impact on your defense there in Pittsburgh. Uh, and it's not going to miss a lot of tackles. So you won't, you won't be too angry with him as a fan. I know nothing pisses a fan off more than an open field missed tackle. Devin Bush won't be doing that. Um, so I think he'll be pretty happy there in Pittsburgh um, with that Devin Bush pick there at 10. So let's talk a little Cleveland Browns football. Uh, and as if the Cleveland Browns franchise wasn't entertaining enough with Baker Mayfield, Juice Landry, and that bubblegum chewing John Dorsey in steps Odell Beckham for no less than a first-round pick and Jabril freaking Peppers. So what was your immediate thought as a Steelers <laughs> fan there, Joe, with now finally the Cleveland Browns, again, 10-6 and six there in 2007, their best finish uh, since they came back uh, to Cleveland there, uh, I believe, in 1998. So Cleveland Browns been sucking for a long time since they've been back in Cleveland. Now you're finally having to deal with a contending Cleveland Browns fan or, or stands. What are your thoughts there, Joe? Uh, you got to hate it. You could say I'm it. I'm kind of excited because before last year that – there wasn't any hate for the Cleveland Browns. It was, it was more like pity. Like, yeah. oh, I, I hope you guys win a game or two. Um, so I'm glad they're finally getting together. I think they need to uh, they make they need to make Dorsey like president for life or something like that because he's I think he's really turned them around. Um, and then this season, this off season, getting OBJ um, and now the now the talk went from. Oh, cool! They're, the Browns are back. To oh, the Browns are winning the Super Bowl. Oh, they're going sixteen and zero. Oh, they're they're easily going to win the AFC North. Like they're all, they're already being crowned as champions, and that that just makes me laugh. They have so many questions. I mean, even they have a new coach. Who yeah. knows how all these parts are going to fit together? So yeah, on paper they look very interesting, but we'll see how it all comes together. Um, I think. The AFC North is going to be a three-way race this year between the Browns, the Steelers, and the oh, Ravens. Sure. I think it's going to be real close. I see them all going either nine and seven or ten and six or something like that. I think it's going to be really exciting. So, you know, I grew up hating the Browns, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really excited I can get to hate them again because I think it's going to be a really good rivalry again. So, uh, good for them. Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. To your point about there being a three-team race, I think you can go ahead and mark your schedules. Um, I think all three of these teams go a combined 6-0 and against Cincinnati. I mean, you get two games yeah. against Cincy, I think they'll sweep both of them. Uh, kind of similar to what teams used to think of Cleveland on the, on the, right. on the schedule, if we're going to be honest here, uh, there That's in right. the AFC North. So you add Odell Beckham Jr. Bas- there. He's basically your first-round draft pick, like we mentioned. Uh, you trade Kevin Zeitler for Olivier Vernon, and then you end up signing Sheldon Richardson there in Cleveland, all to help out Miles Garrett on that front four. So it looks a little scary, or at least a little top-end heavy, there in Cleveland, and you add Morgan Burnett as well. The only losses from this roster, uh, you know, at least worth notable, uh, worth mention here, Tyrod Taylor, so you lose a solid backup there uh, to San Diego, or Los Angeles. I'll do that till the day I die. Um, Brashard Perryman, oh, uh, dude, it's awful. I, I will never <laughs> stop doing it, and I'll never, ever, ever try to stop well, doing it. Well, they belong in San Diego. They so do, man. They need to go back. Right. They need to go back. Um, yeah. Brashard Perryman, um, who was never going to get snaps at that wide receiver core in Cleveland uh, anyways, and EJ Gaines. It's obvious that they made the bulk of their improvement prior to the draft, uh, wouldn't you say, Joe? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, you know, I would, you know, for that OBJ trade, I would make that 100 times out of 100, you know, giving up uh, a first-round pick and, and, and peppers. That's, you know, I'd, I'd make that trade every single time. So I've got to believe, I've got to believe Dave Gettleman's the only one in this world that would give up uh, Odell Beckham Jr. at, what, 25 years of age for a 17th overall pick and Jabril Peppers. I, I genuinely have to believe he's the only general manager in the league that would have done that. I can't believe well, it. Well, he's the only general manager that would take uh, that quarterback so early. Daniel dude. Jones, yeah, that's he's true. A, he's a unique dude. He's, the problem I have with a man is just the arrogance that he comes off with. Like, I understand you got confidence in what you do. You're the general manager. But comments like, you know, I'm ne- I don't trade down in the draft. Everyone trades down in the draft because they know they're not good at it. It's a, like a 50-50 hit right here, bud. So guess what? You better trade down and take as many chances at it, and as many swings at it as you can, not Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman thinks he knows his guy and he's going to take his guy there at six as he did with Daniel Jones like you mentioned so that's you know what we've got to say about the OBJ trade let's get into some of these draft picks here from John Dorsey and the Cleveland Browns a pick everyone loves Greedy Williams their first pick of the draft there in round two at pick 46 uh y'all gonna have to forgive me on this name Sion Taki Taki there out of uh I believe Utah State Sheldrick Redwine, a safety. Mac Wilson, the linebacker at Alabama. Austin Seibert, a kicker there in round five. They were coming off the board in rounds four and five for some damn reason. Even New England took one there in round five. Drew Forbes, a guard there in round six. In round seven, they finish up with Donnie Lewis, a cornerback. Um, so we'll get your grade, Joey, first, and then we'll get into mine. What did you think of the Cleveland Browns draft here? If we're just going by the draft, I'll say C. Um, if you're including OBJ, then I'll, I'll say a B. But so I'll say I'll say a C just based on the draft picks. Um, Greedy Williams is a great pick. Greedy Williams. It, it's funny because in all the mock drafts um, when they were looking at who the Steelers are going to take at twenty, Greedy was one of those guys that were available. He, was, he was, might be, might have been the first cornerback off the board. Um, so for them to get him at uh, in the second round. Um, that's that's great value. Um, he's yeah, um, almost like a like a prototypical cornerback. You know, great. You know, he does have his uh, weaknesses. Like his, apparently, he doesn't like to tackle, or he's not going to run for it. But still, he sounds like a great cover corner. So great pick. Um, and, and another value pick, Mac Wilson. Yeah. I, I I thought Mac Wilson was going to go in the second round, and here he is going in the fifth. So that could be a good value pick. Um, I'm not sure what the heck you're doing taking a, a kicker, but hey, it's the fifth round, whatever. But uh, so yeah, um, it, it's interesting. But I think you know because it, because of what they didn't they didn't have a first round pick, so I'll give them a C. Yeah, I gave him a C plus, and for the same exact reasons you do. I mean, obviously the glaring positive from this draft has to be the OBJ trade, and we've already hit on that um, because he's essentially your first-round pick like we talked about. And, again, the value of Greedy Williams is great right there at 46, and I agree. He is essentially – or he was the best walk-down corner, uh, you know, man-to-man coverage corner in this draft. But Steve Wilkes, their defensive coordinator, the guy just recently fired there in Arizona – predominantly runs off-ball coverage, which Greedy Williams is horrendous at. Um, though he can run in a straight-line speed, he's not the greatest at flipping his hips at the top of a route. And I don't mean to get two X's and O's and fill me, but Greedy Williams' off-ball coverage, not something he does great, traditionally a walk-down corner. So, again, the value's great there at 46, 
But outside of that, I don't have much, uh, you know, good things to say there. The only pick, again, that I have zero quarrels about is Mac Wilson, like you said there, at Selection 155. I know Alabama linebackers traditionally enter the league with a ton of wear and tear on their bodies, but even if this guy only gives you five or six really good years uh, there in Cleveland, they're going to be really, really good years. And, you know, fifth, sixth-round pick right there, he's definitely going to make an impact on special teams for you, as he did at Alabama. Uh, Flip on that LSU tape and ask that kick returner from LSU uh, from this season what he thinks of Mac Wilson in special teams. So uh, I'll give it a C-plus here in this draft again because outside of, you know, the OBJ trade and Mac Wilson there in the fifth round, Taki Taki was an overdraft in my mind. Again, Greedy Williams, great value, not a great fit. And, again, we're all going to make fun of the kicker pick there at uh, in round five. So um, I'll give him a C-plus here, and we'll move on. Let's head on down uh, I-71 from Cleveland to Cincy, shall we? And, P.S., I've made this drive uh, damn near impossible not to fall asleep on this one, Joe. I don't know if you made it from Cleveland to Cincy, but there's not a lot going on out there uh, in Ohio. So uh, the Bengals resigned a ton of their guys this offseason, and I don't know about you, but I think they picked the wrong ones here in this situation. They take C.J. Uzuma, re-sign him for $18 million over three seasons. Preston Brown, they re-sign him for $16.5 million over three seasons. Bobby Hart, a tackle they don't necessarily love there in Cincinnati, $16 million over three seasons. Darquez Denard re-signed. Tyler Eifert re-signed. All names that are definitely on the backside of their career, in my opinion. Meanwhile, they let Vontez Burfick, uh, you know, a cog in their defense, maybe not the greatest of linebackers, but they let him walk for one year, $2 million there in Oakland. And your Steelers nabbed Devin Bush there at 10 just to stick the knife a little bit deeper into that heart. Uh, another team yes. that got worse this offseason, yes. Joe. <laughs> I am. It was great for the Steelers to get Devin Bush, but it was even greater to get him. It's straight <laughs> up to get him. The pick before Cincinnati, because you know Cincinnati wanted Devin Bush. I love it. <laughs> evil evil laughs are more than welcome here on the nfl mox <laughs> podcast my man that's funny um, stuff i really don't know what what the Bengals are doing um Vontez Burfick, i guess you could argue he's he's you know past his prime he might be done okay fine but <clears throat> man, uh, and, okay you know i hear good things about you know jonah williams at 11 mm-hmm. i pull from about okay fine but you know, it's it's not often that the Bengals have have um, drafted this early. And they get a tackle. Okay, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could have got a quarterback. You could have. There's there's a lot of ways it could have gone. But okay, we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes with the with the tackle. Yeah, I mean, so the, we'll we'll jump straight into the draft since you mentioned Jonah. I mean, that's their first pick right there at eleven. And then Drew Sample in round two. Jermaine Pratt, a linebacker out of NC State, um, there at round three. In round four, they get Ryan Finley, who I could have sworn the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to waste a third-round pick on another traditional <laughs> backup um, right there with Ryan Finley. But they don't. Uh, Rennell Wren, uh, a defensive tackle. And then Michael Jordan, a guard. Travion Williams, who was one of my favorite running backs uh, in this draft there in round six. Uh, they also take Rodney Anderson in round six, Deshaun Davis in round six. So a lot of late-round picks here 
uh, and Jordan Brown, the cornerback. I'll give you my grade first because I got nothing but negatives here. I'm going to give them a D plus. Look, allowing your guy, who we all knew their guy was Devin Bush, to get nabbed just one spot above you to a division rival nonetheless is the definition of a late grade. So my standard policy on tardy work is 20% off. So we're just going to knock 20% off your grade immediately. And then (laughs) you turn around and burn a second-round pick on Drew Sample, the tight end out of Washington, who now becomes, listen to this, the seventh active tight end on the roster in Cincinnati. What the hell is that? What are they doing? I don't understand that. They literally re-signed two tight ends in Tyler Eifert and uh, uh, Uzoma or whatever, Uzoma. And then, again, they have this. he makes the seventh tight end on the roster. It makes no sense how any of those guys are even going to get substantial snaps on the field. And, again, I like Travion Williams out of Texas A&M. But as if this running back's room wasn't crowded enough with Bernard and Mixon, you know, I, I agree. Some of them have, you know, some injury concerns every once in a while. But you follow this pickup with Rodney Anderson there at 211. So either one or the other if you're Cincinnati. I just don't get it. They're overdrafting uh, rooms that don't need to be overdrafted. And, again, Ryan Finley is by no stretch of the means an impactful part of their future here in Cincinnati. Just a lot of wrong things going on in this draft uh, for the Bengals. Your thoughts? Why do they think Andy Dalton is still the answer at quarterback? I was just looking because there was there was somebody somebody had a tweet that give me the, the, the definition of an average quarterback, and, I, and my first thought was Andy Dalton. I said, well, maybe I'm being too harsh. Then I looked at the numbers. He is exactly in the middle of quarterbacks, whether you look at ratings or whatever. He is right there in the middle. He's just average. And you have a new coach coming in. Don't you want somebody that like there? There are quarterbacks out there that, that they could have taken, and 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 they they wait till the, the fourth round to take a quarterback. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I, yeah, I I just don't like. I, I just I just don't know what they're doing. So I, I really have no idea what what's going on with them. And and I think we're going to have we're going to have another. Like, let's just say they're going to have another opportunity next year to draft in the top 10 or top 11 because yeah. they're not going to have a good year. That's, that could be my only thought here, Joe, is that they just knew, you know, that they had a ton of holes to fill and that they might as well take this year's draft to kind of just fill as many slots. But my problem is, again, they, why, why take two running backs if you know you've got massive holes? Why take two? I, I, know, I understand why you take two linebackers because you literally have – none on your roster but hey man how about take another tackle or two I mean you know you've got holes all across this defense or and offense not a single DB drafted except for your cornerback coming off the board in the seventh round you think that guy's barely he might not even make it out of camp sorry Jordan Brown but you might not even make this roster so I just don't understand again took some spots and took some guys that already have the, you know, the position filled uh, primarily there with the tight ends and the running backs. Joe, I don't think we got your draft grade. Let's finish it up with your draft grade. What do you think? I'm going to say C. Okay, so you're a little more generous than I am. I, I'm just out on the whole thing. I think the whole thing's crap. <laughs> All right, Joe, before we let you go and before we end this podcast here, uh, let the folks know how they can find you and your work, my man. How can we go support Joey Bags? I am. I basically live on Twitter, um, like you said. It's uh, at Joey Bag of Donuts uh, instead of after the V. 
Um, so yeah, I basically live on Twitter. I don't tweet much, so I'm, I'm basically on there all the time. But yeah, I, I also I'm on Twitter a lot, and I also um, uh, put out a lot of podcast episodes a lot. It's called the Donut Bag, mostly Pittsburgh uh, sports, but also do um, general stuff um, and also some goofy, goofy you know pop culture things too. So um, yeah, yeah, the Donut Bag. I also do a um, yeah podcast called Podcast of Steel, which is uh, all Steeler stuff. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. So pretty much anything you want to talk about, you talk about, and y'all can find Joey talking about those things he wants to talk about over there at the Donut Bag. So Joey, we appreciate you for joining us here on the NFL Mox Podcast, my man. Thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. No doubt. Anytime. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.